especially me and you, when we criticize or point out things that are wrong with Japan, it's because it's it's basically a pure white sheet of paper with a couple little dots on it that you just want to erase, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's almost completely perfect. Yeah. They just tweak a little bit, you know? Alright everybody, welcome back to Small Talk Japan. On this show we talk about all things Japan in English. My name is Michi and today we're joined with... Alex, hello. Usually we have Natsuki here. She's not here. She's not, she's got pink eye. Pink eye. Really, she literally, we'll put a picture up, she has pink eye. So... I've had that before. It stings, man. Does it? Yeah, it hurts a lot. Do you know how you get it? Isn't it toilet to eye? <laughs> yeah. Right? So kid, people who have children usually get it, right? Yeah, yeah, I picked up my son and this junk went in my eye we were talking before the show that this was going to be the show that was clean because it's a very serious topic and he's yeah i said junk that's fine okay yeah okay <laughs> today's topic has nothing to do with pink eye though yeah today's topic has to do with uh, something that actually natsuki you know it, it would have been cool if she was here but actually we we don't need her sorry natsuki for this show <laughs> because this is going to be primarily me asking alex about his specialty and what his thoughts are about the Japanese con uh, concept of omotenashi. Mm. Okay, so can we start? The the Olympics were decided on omotenashi, right? Yeah, that the, was the buzzword. Omotenashi. The I forgot her name. Uh, something Crystal Kitagawa Crystal, maybe. Yeah, she's like half Japanese and half some other French. country. French. Yeah, I think so. Famous, you know, uh, talentosan or announcer, and she. She made the appeal to have the Olympics in Japan, uh, you know, way back in like 2016 or something. Something like, yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And her, her like signature line was, O-mo-te-na-shi. Then. Right. I don't know why she did that. Maybe it made it more Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think someone told her to do it. Okay. To make it look more Asian. Yeah. Appeal to that. So the old French were like, yeah. <laughs> like that. So let's talk about this. So what is Omotenashi? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> Good point. Um, it's the, well, omotenashi, the word itself. Yeah. So it comes from motenasu. Right. Which means to kind of bring forth right. something. And always like the honorifico. Yeah. So that's one explanation. Another one is that omote, like the kind of the front or the face, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, nashi. So there isn't any front, any front up. It's all straight from the heart, that kind of thing. So that's the kind of origins of the word. I've heard the explanation that omote is like without... Nashi meaning without, omote meaning thought or think, without thinking. Um, that could be true as well, actually. But um, is, this yeah. like, is this like the word okay, where we don't know where it came from? Yeah, let's just <laughs> go with that. Um, I'm not a linguist, really, yeah. so I don't know. But um, but it has a meaning, right, this word? Yeah, yeah, it means basically it's, it's service, right? Hospitality, I guess, would be the best word in English. Um, and Japanese people, you know, very proud of it. And, you know, they should be, really, because Japanese service is good. You can go to any store or, 
you know, restaurant or shop and people are polite and courteous and... Can we just you know. do a quick comparison here? So, like, let's say I go to 7-Eleven in America. Mm -hmm. First of all, the person... I mean, there's a, there's all different levels of people that you meet behind the register. But, I mean, I think that the typical experience will be someone who hates their job, doesn't yeah. want to be there. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're half asleep. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, here, here's your total. Yeah. And then they like, get the hell out kind of thing. Yeah, I think that exists in, you know, a lot of countries, right? People aren't super into the job. Some people are, right? You know, some people are really good at it. But yeah, there there is that just getting the job done to the end of the day. You know, right. somebody's coming, give them a coffee now, go away. You know, that kind of attitude. Um, but yeah, I think in Japan, generally, you don't see that so much. People tend to be more kind of engaged with it. Um, you know, they always use the polite Japanese and stuff when you come in. Yeah, especially like in the convenience store, right? Everything's kind of like decided. It's like scripted for that. Well, it's manual, yeah. Right. So, I mean, Japanese service is manual based. You know, it's it's like textbook. Right, follow, follow the procedures. Yeah, follow the procedures. Which works out great in most scenarios because you can go to like a really cheap, and like izakaya like japanese restaurant and have great service yeah yeah because they know you know the rules they know what they're supposed to do they generally know what the customer wants you know because japanese people are quite homogenous really i mean they are very different in some ways but everybody goes to a similar school yeah really you know shogako like elementary school junior high school they all have the sports days that are pretty similar they yeah. have they have ethics class which teaches them yeah dotoki yeah the yeah. the similar morals and ethics yeah similar kind of morals and ethics yeah so everybody's got a lot of shared experience yeah so you sit on a train in japan and you look around and there's another japanese person i guess you probably have more in common with the people around you than a westerner would in their own country and that's I, my guess i don't know yeah i would, I would su i'd support that and i would also say that like if you ask most japanese people they would support that as well yeah i think so you yeah. know what i mean you can probably guess what you know right. unless somebody went to some super elite school that's not really available to the common people. Whatever, I would I actually guess, yeah. I would actually underline that with I think you and I tend to surround ourselves with those Japanese people who don't break the mold. Like, yeah. Mm. The second you start like talking to a Japanese person and they are, are like off the trail, you're like, "Oh, you're interesting. Let's be friends," you know. And that's true. Yeah. So, anyway, so so they there's a kind of like a, a shared understanding of expectations mm -hmm. and what what is what is polite and what is not polite because all of that is subjective, right? Yeah, that's true. And expectations are a very important word because, you know, what they expect, the customer expects, what the, the person giving the service expects, those have to match up right. Okay. Otherwise, somebody's going to be dissatisfied. Can you give me an example of that? Like, okay, so if I go into a hotel, for example, yeah. right, in the travel industry, I go to a hotel, mm -hmm. what would be different expectations? I mean, I just want a nice room with good service and... Okay, so if we're talking about in Japan, for okay. example, uh, when you get into the Genkan, the entranceway, when you take your shoes off, you'd expect somebody to either put your shoes into, like get tobacco into the, the shoe storage yeah. or just turn them around so that when you walk out, you know, uh, they're facing the right direction to put on. So if Japanese people don't have that done to them, they'll notice and think, wait a minute. It's not luxury. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's not meeting their needs, right? Yeah. So I know somebody who works in a luxury hotel abroad, a Japanese woman who works in Germany. Yeah. And she was telling me that... Um, if Japanese guests don't have the slippers by the side of the bed, they complain. Really? Yeah. But Western people, the slippers are just in the closet, like a meter away. No problem whatsoever. So just small things like that. 
the expectation hasn't been met. That's the problem. I, I constantly have uh, home parties at my house, especially during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I, for the longest time, I would put slippers by, because I don't wear slippers. I, I'm, I'm fine with socks because I, yeah. I hate slippers. And so like I would put slippers by the, the GameCon for the, the entryway for you know people, guests to use. And no one ever used them. Yeah, yeah. But the second I just put them away, yeah. One of one, a pair of guests were like, "Do you happen to have slippers?" Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I've had this before. And, and I was like, "I don't know. What, what do you want?" <laughs> slippers are weird, man. Because like, um, you know, it's a big thing in Japan, right? Wearing the, the right slippers and the right toilet slippers and all that stuff. Yeah. I've no, no amount of times I've been drunk and put the toilet slippers on and walked back to the table with you the know. toilet slippers. Yeah, and got laughed at. But you know, I don't do that anymore. And here's but. another thing: slippers on tatami. You're not supposed to do that. There's no, like they'll yeah. give you the slippers and you'll walk into like you know a gyokan, a Japanese inn, yeah. like 15 feet. It, on the wood and then you get on to the top and you have to take the slippers off yeah yeah they're yeah. only there for that little period that's it yeah there's loads of stuff like that right <laughs> but now i can't walk on tatami with slippers on it I feels weird right i just can't do it yeah how about the 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 seams do you do you avoid walking on them like geisha women oh the uh heady around the edge of the yeah. tatami right no because um i actually heard a story about this okay the Stepping on the tatami mat border yeah. is something that people in the tea ceremony do a lot, right? Or they avoid stepping on it, sorry. They right. don't step on it. Um, but that comes from a time when uh, tatami didn't used to be the whole room. It used to just be one area where the most important person sat. Okay. There was a couple of tatami mats and they were raised up or whatever. So if you stepped on the edge of the tatami then, you would squash it down and damage it oh. or perhaps fall off and, and injure yourself. So that's why they said don't step on the tatami border so there's actually a reason for it yeah but when the rooms in the edo period had tatami all over the place that became unnecessary but as a tradition it carried on but as a tradition it carried on within the tea world oh so the person i talked to was a, a teacher of a very old school of etiquette yeah and he told me that it's nonsense you don't need to do it it's fine to step on it well because these days if you go to high-end japanese restaurants where everything's tatami the, the waitresses who are in i guess they would be like the tea ceremony types but they're in kimono and everything they avoid stepping on the seams but he said that's unnecessary it's, uh. it's wrong actually you should it should be fine to step on them because when you replace tatami omote the border on top you have to replace the border as well yeah, yeah, yeah. so it doesn't make any difference there's also the uh, zabuton, is that what it's called? The, yeah. the cushion. You're mm -hmm. not supposed to put your feet on it. You can sit on it, but you uh, can't yeah. stand on it. Yeah. It's like all these little, just in the one little room, you've got all these little rules that I guess, you know, if you've grown up in Japan, they just they come natural to you. But uh, yeah, but a lot of Japanese people do get it wrong as well. And the rules are there because... I think it's just because now, because a lot of, you know, we're in, you know, it's these... It's the, modern, right? Yeah, modern, modern so yeah. But the rules are there for a reason. So stepping on Zabuton protects it from damage for longer. You know uh, what I mean? And stepping on the not stepping on the tatami border would have prevented you from falling over when it was just that kind of time. Um, but if the reason for doing it isn't there anymore, the rule becomes unnecessary. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, like, um, you know, the the thing you shouldn't step on in a Japanese traditional house is like your you, your you friends. Sh you should never step on your friends. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's terrible. Why would you do that? Um, but <laughs> the wooden borders between the rooms, you know, the little wooden Oh, the doorway. little tracks. Yeah. yeah. If you step on those, if people step on them for years and years, it'll damage the structure of the house. Wear it down. Yeah. So you should always step over that. Okay. But, but don't worry about stepping on the border of the tatami mats. That's the, that's the thought on it.
I mean, I think a lot of traditional things come from like actual common sense warnings. If you go back to like, for example, the Bible, the Christian Bible, mm -hmm. they talk about don't eat like hooved animals like pigs and things like that with a split hoof. Yeah, yeah. And it's because probably at that time, like pork was probably a dangerous meat to eat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And so like, and then, you know, they have like rules about crawfish and all this. It was probably just to prevent food poisoning. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from common sense originally, right? right? And it's just been, you know, kept on. It's been canonized and become like this like important thing. Yeah. yeah. So going back to like expectations. So mm -hmm. I think Japanese have their very specific Japanese expectations. Mm -hmm. How does that, does that have, is that com in conflict with Western expectations? Is it harmonious with it? Like what, what's... When it, when it works, it works really well. So inbound tourists come to Japan, you know, from Western countries or wherever, you know, other countries, China, Singapore as well. Uh, and if what they want matches the Japanese person's needs, mm -hmm. the Japanese customer's needs, it works so well. It's really, really smooth. For example, if I go to a cheap hotel in Tokyo, it's always clean. Yeah. It's always clean. Yeah, yeah clean. Yeah. yeah. Efficient service. Yeah. Public toilets are very clean. Yeah. Right. Problem is when you want something that is not expected of a Japanese oh. guest. Oh, then everything falls apart, right? Okay, so for, give me an example. So an example of this, an easy example is my mum came to Japan and she likes drinking tea, right? She's English, so she drinks about 20 cups of tea a day. Okay. Which is probably too many. But <laughs> um, So she went to a hotel, quite yeah. a nice hotel, and she ordered a cup of tea, like English breakfast tea or whatever. They brought it over. She went, can I have some milk? And they brought over coffee fresh, you know, the little pots of like, like cream? cream stuff yeah. that you get with coffee and put it down. And she was like, no, no, can I have proper milk, please? Yeah, real milk. So the guy didn't know what she meant, so I translated and said, can we have like real milk or whatever? And um, he goes, oh, this is real milk. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's not. This is like cream that you put in a coffee. Yeah. So can we actually just get some milk? There's some over in the fridge over there. I could see it. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, no, you can't have that. It's for a different drink. So I was like, what? <laughs> you what, know? Do you, what do you mean? So he could have just gone and got a bit of milk, put it in a little cup and brought it over and everything would have been cool. But while he's coming um and in and over this, the tea's gone cold. Yeah. Uh, he won't give us the milk that's right over there in the fridge. That you can see. And this is in fairly expensive hotel, right? Yeah. Um, so his solution eventually was to pour the coffee cream stuff into a little jug and put that on the table. So the result is she didn't get anything that she wanted. Right. The tea went cold. Um, and she also felt like she was in it imposing on them and oh. in the way. And she had to pay for it as well. So she was like, I'm never staying here again. Okay. Like, forget this. I kind <laughs> of, I can see what you're saying because I have a similar situation. We're at a restaurant and mm. there's a menu of drinks and one of them is a whiskey and uh, soda. Yeah. Okay. And then they have, uh, and we, what we wanted was a whiskey on the rocks. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually missing one of the components. Yeah. So it's the same amount of whiskey. It's also ice. Mm -hmm. It's the same glass. Yeah. So... In fact, it, it's cheaper for them. Yeah. We said, we just want it at this price. We just want a whiskey on the rocks. They said, no, it's not on the menu. We're not going to serve it to you. Yeah. And we're like, all you do is you just skip the step of putting the, the tonic with the, the, the soda yeah. in there. <laughs> and you just give it to us without the soda water. And they're like, we can't do that. Yeah. It's no. just like, why? It's like, it's not on the menu. It's like, just, just freaking make it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Just make it, man. What's wrong with you? You know, but we also have this with tea as well, like tea you know sets or whatever come out and they yeah. go oh, i don't want the sweet i just want the tea yeah um and you know they go well we can't do that it's a set yeah and he was like well just don't bring the sweet and i'll pay for it i'll just have the tea and they're like no we can't do that so he's going well what's the solution and they bring it out and you leave it 
Yeah, it goes so it away. Has to be thrown away. So it's like this lack of flexibility and common sense, you know, that, th that's the big problem. I think that's actually a good point, that lack of flexibility. I think that Japanese tradition, their culture here is very rigid, yeah, very, very paperwork oriented and very following the rules. Mm. Whereas, in, for example, I'm from Las Vegas. So if you have a waitress or a cocktail waitress or anything, mm -hmm. she's going to bend over backwards to do anything that you need. Yeah. Hey, can I have this with this option and this option that's not on the menu? Oh, yeah, sure. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. It's now their job to figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's not my job to figure out how they're supposed to do their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big problem is, though, if you're a foreigner in this country as well, because it's culturally very different and there's a big language barrier. If you're in a hotel, a hotel should feel like your home. Uh, it should feel like a place where you can escape from, you know, and be safe. Um, and also you should, this is, I can't remember which hotel brand it is, but they put it in there, they empower the guests. Oh, uh, okay. So the guests have to be empowered so they feel like they're in control. Right. You know, so they're in control and they're at home. So they don't feel like they're in a prison or they're like, you know, they're being yeah. kidnapped. So when you get back to your home and you're supposed to be in control and you want something that's relatively simple yeah. and won't cost any money and they won't do it for you, it feels like incredibly bad service. Oh. And, and that's the root cause of the complaints that do come out of Japanese service. And there are quite a lot of them if you actually dig into it a little bit. There was a hotel here that uh, wasn't minding their TripAdvisor comments right. that were in English. Right, I see. Like the, Eng the Japanese ones were all responded to and, and taken care of, but the English ones were not. And there were some pretty... It's a nice hotel. Mm -hmm. And there were some pretty flagrant, like very angry comments on there. Mm -hmm. And most of it was stuff like this. Like they wouldn't do this little thing. Yeah. And it was t pissing us off kind of thing. Well, it's funny because like kikubari and all these kind of you know japanese words kikubari is like attentiveness right mm -hmm. so you're being attentive to the guest needs and what they want and you know looking after them things like that um are really important in japanese service but when it comes to things like we were talking about slippers before they're always too small <laughs> you know what i mean you go to like yokan yeah. like that, the yukata's too short yeah so what they're saying to you is that we're not prepared for you as a yeah. western person so if they know they've got guests from those countries who are taller or bigger, you know, why haven't they prepared that stuff? Um, you know, it's just, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, 1997, mm -hmm. so how many years is that? You know, that's 24 years ago. I was in uh, Himeji Castle mm -hmm. in Kobe and everybody wears slippers in there. And yeah. they're like, here's your tiny little size <laughs> yeah. six slippers. And this is the largest one we have. Yeah. Went back there a few years ago, same situation. Yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. it's 20 years later, guys. I'm I'm still the same size. Yeah. I came back. You don't have slippers for me. Yeah, I'm like okay, but they require you to wear the slippers. So literally, it's like your foot. If this is your foot, and your slipper only comes up to like right here, so half your foot is falling out of the slipper. Yeah, and you're trying to walk around these stairs with that. It's nuts. Well, the other thing is that sometimes happens occasionally is they'll give you like a small rikishi size. You cut that when you like go the to the giant one. So it's like quadruple L, and it's like the sleeves are down here, and it's like there's no way I can wear this. You're like, is there so, an in between, guys? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, just that looking at someone and ascertaining the needs, and then matching the service to those needs is not being done, yeah. and that's something that's really you know a big problem. Um, and you're kind of especially true of this because a hotel and you're kind of different in the way that can we really quick define ryokan is a japanese style inn yeah okay and, and a hotel is just a western style hotel right sure okay yeah, yeah so a hotel will match your needs pretty much right mm. so like i said before you're at home you know you're in control um and basically you can dictate when you want to have dinner or whatever right uh if you don't want to you know do breakfast at a certain time you can move it and you know maybe there's a buffet or something you can choose what you want in a ryokan you have to fit to the rules of the ryokan 
quite carefully. So they'll ask you like, what time do you want dinner? 6.30 or 7? Yeah. And it's like, well, can I have it at 8? Because I want to go in the bath first. And they go, no. 6.30 or 7. And it's like, well, why not? That's a little different though, because in that situation, it's kind of the, the, the is kind of part of the experience. Yeah. It's like, it kind of, it's almost like a, like a, like a showtime. But Almost. that has to be agreed, though. Yeah. If you're paying a lot of money to stay in, and some of them are very expensive, yeah. to stay in one of these kind of places, there has to be agreement between you both before you you know, go to that. Otherwise, it's forcing you to do something. I think if you're in the luxury market, that makes sense. Yeah. I think if you're in like the, the like pedestrian consumer market, I think that that's maybe... I could understand both, both sides of that. Yeah. But one thing that I really want to get into is like talking about price point. I think Japanese service for the price mm. is fantastic yeah i mean th- there's a, a thing that like japanese service industry is seen as being flat for everybody right no matter what status you are no matter what you pay you get a similar degree of service to everybody else okay that's the kind of general thinking about service in this country um and it is good you know the basic service is great that's what i'm saying if you if you're spending like if you're one of those cheap travelers Mm -hmm. you're gonna get a great experience for a low amount of money in japan yeah so there might be some minor irritations you know you can't get exactly what you wanted but you know all the other good stuff makes up for that right the problem is when you get higher spending yeah you get a luxury market clients who want things you know specifically tailored to them and you know they pay a lot of money for it so they deserve it you know it's not like you can just go no you know whatever it becomes difficult and like Japanese people, like for example, Disneyland in Japan doesn't have a VIP pass, which is like weird. You know what I mean? Oh. So it's like everybody's the same when you yeah. come in. Yeah. You know? That well, that's just a cultural thing. I don't know if we can get rid of that. I mean, I don't know if we should, but it is. Yeah, it is a thing. I mean, I went to like a, a show in. Um, it was not a show. Um, a sales conference in Cannes a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Um, and there was like an after party, big fancy party at this you know five star hotel, or whatever. And um, there was a photo booth, you know, with the logos all behind you so you could take a photo. Uh, And there was a queue for it that was about maybe 30 people long. Um, And then there was another queue at the front where you pay $50 or whatever. I don't remember how much it was. And you get a picture straight away. Fast pass, right? And all the Japanese people I was like, what is this? This, What's this? This isn't good. You know, just paying to be able to get in first. So that was a really interesting moment for me to think, all right, okay. Yeah. You know, you don't have that here. I mean, in a way, it's kind of... It's part of their culture, right? Yeah, it's it, cultural, yeah. Again, I'm from Vegas. We go to a hotel. You've got you've got your three levels of parking, right? You've got the person who parks in the in the garage that's like miles away yeah. and walks in, you know, like like a like a phleb. Yeah. And then you've got the guy who valets. He's he's a he's a step up, but still, they're taking your car to the same garage. They're, you just don't yeah. have to walk it. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got that last level where you take your, you know, crazy Ferrari to the very front door. Yeah, yeah. Hand your keys to the guy and they just leave it right there. Yeah. And everybody looks at it on their way into the into the casino. And then when you leave, you just simply give the guy a wad of hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> and then you take your keys, get in the car and just drive away. No no wait. Yeah. You know, so but at the same time, that's not a Japanese thing. But the strange thing is Japanese society does have, you know, ranks of superiority and things like that. But and, when it comes you know, to eating, they all eat at the same time. They eat the same food. But they sit in different places. Okay. They sit in different places. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's another thing is, you know, where you sit is really important. Let's go over that. For, this is not really a multinashi, but uh, let's talk about that for a second. Like when, if you're at a table, I don't know, because I've I've never been to Europe, but like mm. in Europe, is there like seating arrangements at the table? Not so much. I mean, if it's pre-planned, there might be some kind of seating arrangement. 
out there. Like a name card. Yeah, but if it's not, you know, planned in advance, you know, it's not set in stone by any stretch of the imagination. In Japan, you've got, what is it? The, the most, Ichiman Oku, so like the furthest back into the corner seat is the most like important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's guarded by all the samurais from attack. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. So it's like, you know, when, when you go for a meal and, for example, when it gets confusing is if there's several different companies. With, and who's, who's, the, who's the big... Yeah. Well, you kind of know by that point. Well, by the yeah. time you're going to dinner, you know who's senior or whatever. Um, and everybody stands up. All the kind of junior employees go into the room first and they're all stood around... Waiting. Wondering where everybody should sit and trying to work it out. Um, and then some people pretend to be that person and sit down and they check the seating arrangements and like, no, nah, maybe we should change it around. <laughs> um, and when you do happen to sit in the wrong seat by accident, yeah. they'll move you. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, <laughs> you, could you sit over here, please? And you're like, oh, yeah. And then it, it throws a monkey wrench into, that's even a, that's a confusing situation on its own. Yeah. It throws a bigger monkey wrench into it when we're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of a sudden they're like, okay, we know our rules. What do these white boys want? Yeah. What are we doing? What's going on? Well, that's the thing. It's the unknown quantity. And the unknown quantity doesn't work well in Japan. Because, uh, you know, being a homogenous society, you kind of know what people want, what people are going to do. Yeah. You can guess more easily. Um, and uncertainty is something that Japanese people don't deal with very well. Let's let's talk really... I want to first go over the list of things that Japan does really well in Omotenashi. And yeah. then we'll go over, like, I think because you were recently talking and interviewing a bunch of concierge. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about what they could do better for especially okay. western clients so what, what what in your opinion does japan do well well japan does very very well is you know um timely service yeah so, time is so good here yeah do trains come on time in england Nah, not really <laughs> I, I hear in i hear in italy it's late if at all right yeah yeah that's what they say yeah that sounds about right yeah <laughs> and then getting angry on the platform about it you know shaking your fist and complaining or whatever but british people like to complain about things as a form of bonding uh you know oh god the weather's terrible isn't it today or you know is that uh, is that why you guys are so dreary the trains all the time? late again god and they'll go i know you know so suffering together is like something that's fun for us okay I, the shared misery is yeah. the important key there okay yeah. But in Japan, yeah, trains are never late. You know, people, if you want to meet them, they'll be there five minutes before, you know. That depends. Um, that's, that's, that has to do with your latitude, okay? In, in the Kanto yeah, region, in, in, in like Tokyo and that area up there, if, you're, if you set a time, everybody's there 15 minutes before. If you're not there at least 15 minutes before or 10 minutes before, you're late. Yeah. In our region where we're in Kyushu, it's right on time is okay. Or slightly after. Or one or two minutes <laughs> yeah. later. In Okinawa, you set the day. If they come that day, you're lucky. <laughs> right. Like let's let's all hang out at six PM on Saturday. If they come at two AM, it's still considered Saturday. Right. And you should be happy that they're there. Well, it's a generalization, but it's kind of true. <laughs> I'm just you know? kidding, I'm kidding. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's the image. So yeah, the timeliness is incredibly good. Um also, you know, general politeness, you yeah. know, form of dress. People are, you know, generally smartly dressed. Um Yeah, they're not sloppily dressed too yeah. so much here. Um, you know, also basic manners so you know obviously bowing and things like that people yeah. are taught how to do that when they enter a company um, they have a little bit of education about it at school maybe as well but not not so much i guess um saying something when you give somebody something that's a big thing like you know in in america if you're talking to another person the waitress might come over and refill your wine silently yeah, yeah. and just kind of walk away yeah the japanese will say like like yeah like always like yeah so it's like just uh, you know informing the person of what you're doing 
Yeah. And then there's these like Kimari Monku, these set phrases that people use a lot as well. But then when they're absent, when those phrases are absent, people get pissed. They're like, oh, yeah. You didn't say the word. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Say the word, man. (laughs) Yeah, just that. And then, um, you know, general hospitality. I mean, Japanese people are very friendly. Um, Sometimes can be a bit standoffish and shy or whatever. Mm. But at the end of the day, you know, generally welcoming. And I think everybody's got this idea that, you know, they are kind of representing their country. Yeah. uh, And want to do the best for you. Yeah. So there is that as well, and that goes a long, long way, and it's really important. Also, um, I want to, I want to say, if you're talking about uh, uh, representing your country, uh, there was the world soccer match a couple of years ago, and you got all the fans, and I think even though the Japanese team lost, they got up and they cleaned yeah. the area in which they were sitting in, and then that left. And so, like, there, there is that that dedication to service and and humility and you know <laughs> they do go a bit over the top with it sometimes though you don't have to tally up everybody else's rubbish as well you know it's true <laughs> it's like, but it was still a nice gesture yeah, it was a nice gesture it was a bit of a performance to be honest but you <laughs> no, know but they're representing their country yeah yeah they did a good job Americans yeah. would be in the same situation representing their country drunk with their bellies out and stuff like painted on yeah. them you know it's a different it's a different culture well like, you go to a festival in Japan everybody cleans up after you know, and they no rubbish, stand at know. rock concerts they stand in unified rows yeah, and they're hilarious. all very polite to each other i yeah. swear to god it was the weirdest thing i've ever josh was there with me like y'all link arms together and power mosh together yeah i i love the group bowing everyone links arms and they bow together bowing like this. <laughs> this is this is moshing in the japanese style of a i rock mean for concert. me though that's not rock and roll man that's not it's too regulated it, i like i like chaos it's the same with me it's yeah. the same with me but um, you know these things are all done really, really well. Okay, what's um, done? What's not? What What would you like to see in like improved for? Maybe like the higher end market. This um, is where the concierge. I mean, if you if you don't have money, you're not going to get a concierge to begin with, right? Well, the hotel concierge is there for all the guests. So yeah, if you're at a good hotel, you know, the you can use the concierge service. If you're at a go- good hotel, that's the thing, yeah. right? And the weird thing in Japan is that concierge aren't that developed compared to other countries. What do you mean? I, I don't disagree, but why? Do, what do you mean? So hotels that do have concierge here, and there are, you know, a lot fewer than other countries. For a start, Japan's only got about thirty odd, you know, five star class hotels. Yeah. UK has got about one hundred and sixty. Yeah, and it's a much smaller country. Yeah, than the UK. US has got about three or four hundred, I think. Yeah. I don't know, it's a lot. Um, you know, so they don't have that many high end hotels to start with. There are more now, a lot more in Kyoto, Tokyo, Niseko, right. places like that. Well, the Western idea of a hotel is also kind of newish. Here yeah, yeah. Compared I guess to the West. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, before it was all business hotels, right? Yeah. So just something you do on a business trip and stay there. It's minimal, kind of small room, whatever. Yeah. yeah get you out of the elements, kind of thing. Yeah. But and I've got something to tell you later about that. But um, about the concierge, uh, <laughs> what's it called? Um, they're basically. A concierge in Europe can get you pretty much anything you want. A, uh, a good hotel from in Vegas, America as well. From right? Vegas, they, I mean, some of them will break the law for you if you want it. You know, they're yeah. like anything goes. Or push it right to the boundary. Right, like anyway. giddy giddy, like right up to the edge there. So one story I heard was like, there was a guy, a uh, guy from, you know, Dubai or something like that. And he ate a cheeseburger at the hotel. And he was like, this is delicious. I really like it. It's great. And the concierge is like, oh, thank you very much. And he goes, I want my brother to have one tomorrow. And he goes, okay, where's your brother? And he's like, oh, he's in Dubai. And he goes, and I want it hot when it arrives. So they were like, okay. Let's make it happen. Uh, And the first thing the concierge said to the guest apparently is, would you like blue cheese or cheddar cheese? Wow. Um, And then they flew 
the chef out on a private jet, I believe. And made it for and him. made it, yeah. Because obviously, you know, they could pay as much as they want. But yeah. But just, you know, that that kind of stuff can be done. Yeah. You know? um, and I was actually talking to a guy in uh, New York on, on Zoom or whatever about this kind of thing. And he goes, oh, can you just give me one minute? Like somebody's just asked me for an extremely rare bottle of champagne. And he just turned off the screen for two minutes and disappeared. And he came back a tiny little bit out of breath. Yeah. And he was like, right, okay, thanks. We didn't have it, but I got it from another hotel and they're going to send it over, put it in the room. So I was like, oh, right, okay. So it's like, you know, they go that far for the service. Like they really work magic. Yeah. I I was shocked like about what what they do and how they network and stuff like that there there's actually a, a, a i think it was the discovery channel program on las vegas concierges and just they just like you know when you see cops mm-hmm. and like the, the 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 perp the the bad guy's running and like the cameraman has to follow him as best yeah. as he can he's always out of breath and stuff like that yeah, yeah. that's how they fe- that's how i felt i was watching these concierges yeah yeah because yeah. they're just running yeah. all over the place and the cameraman is struggling to keep up with yeah, them yeah, yeah. They're just so busy. You got to watch for the golden keys on their um, collar. That uh, shows they're a member of Le Clédor, which is like a world concierge service. Really, like the elite top level concierge are all members of that. Okay. So um, look out for those because they can help you do anything you want. But um, in Japan, there, there are members of that organization. But what I heard is that restaurants and businesses and things like that that usually, like in the US, would invite concierge to have dinner there. Absolutely. Or the concierge would go on their own and have dinner. So meet, they network. Meet the manager, yeah. you know, say, if we have some important guests, can we kind of squeeze them in or whatever? Absolutely, absolutely. They do that kind of thing, but the Japanese businesses don't allow them to have any special treatment. Uh, going back to the Kodo line, yeah, same. Same level of service for everybody, right? So the Japanese concierge, while they do try very, very, you know, hard to do the job, I think they find it more difficult to kind of grant the client requests because of the culture here. So the culture is not very supportive of the concept of a concierge. Yeah, it's not so flexible, I don't think. That's and so the then problem. when you get somebody, let's say from Dubai, who comes over, you know, crazy money. Yeah. And he wants, he's used to basically getting whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And he goes to a Japanese concierge, they're like telling him, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. Then he starts thinking like, oh, this is shit. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they give him alternatives or what, but, you know, I, th- I think it, it's much harder to do the job, basically. Huh. And that's like a systemic problem. It's yeah. not a on the ground staff problem. Yeah. So one of the big issues in J- Japanese hospitality is that the management don't allow the people on the front desk or on the ground to make decisions, to make decisions yep. on their own. I agree. Um, and if they do do something to help the guest out, the guest's happy, they get told off afterwards. Yep. So that's the problem at the moment. Um, and it kind of needs to change a bit if they want more inbound tourism um, and, you know, uh, to give better service to guests as well. Because I think that the part of the Japanese tourism boom that's happened in the last two decades, a little bit of it, and I'm not, it's, it's going to sound really bad, but a little bit is a little bit racist. And you're like, oh, let's go experience the silliness of Japan mm-hmm. and see what kind of quirky, weird, backwards things that they do. Yeah. So if that's your attitude when you come here, you're not expecting amazing service. But then if you come here once and you mm. come back again, or maybe you're a higher end clientele, you're not coming here to be amused with weird service. Like you have a certain level of expectations, what we're talking about, and it's either mad or it's not. And if it's not, then that's annoying. I think you're talking about something that's true, but it's a different market. So there's the, the wacky kind of Japan TV shows that go on you know, in the UK or whatever yeah. on Amazon Prime, there's loads of them. Um, and they show all these things like you know underwear vending machines yeah, in yeah, Tokyo yeah. and all that kind of crap. 
I mean, that's not really a part of life in Japan. It's, no, it's a very, very skewed image of the country. Um, I mean, if that that would be that would be like saying Las Vegas is all of America when yeah, it's yeah. not. It's a very weird place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they've picked pointed like a very, very small pinpoint area and just kind of magnified it beyond yeah. belief. But I think the people who come for that stuff um, and the people who come for you know other re- reasons, you know, uh, it's a very different market. So you've you've got to remember that all the time. So they might not be staying in the same places to start with. Um, yeah, but I think now because people are going to move away from the cities and start going to the regions a lot more. Yeah, the cities tend to be more flexible than the regions are. Yeah. So the regions have now got to catch up. Yeah. To this kind of international service level and start trying to provide service that you know makes people happy, and it's going to be a challenge. Do you think that? Do you think that if you are you know a mid to high end customer, do you think that you could have a good time in Japan? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, people do. You know, loads do. Um, and many people go away very, very happy. But the problem is when you've got, you know, 85 or 90 people that are happy and 10 that aren't, Those the 10 are the that aren't, you know, make ones. a lot of noise, yeah. right? So all it is is just basically Japan's doing so, so well already. Yeah. Why not do it perfectly? Yeah, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I think that that's the, if there's a thesis for this entire talk today, it's that. I think that when we, especially me and you, when we, criticize or point out things that are wrong with japan it's because it's it's basically a pure white sheet of paper with a couple little dots on it that you just want to erase you know yeah because it's it's almost completely perfect yeah they just tweak a little bit you know i mean there are some kind of weird quirks you'll never get rid of but i think part of the flavor but you know that's what makes it interesting it's different right but um yeah i think because they do so many things well um, and this thing about kind of perfection, attention to detail, yeah. these are all traditional traits of kind of omotenashi type service and they're not being done. And that's a big problem oh. which needs to be fixed because the value proposition isn't being met. Yeah, You know, they say we do this and it's like you come and they don't do it and you're like, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. <laughs> not everywhere, but some places, right? Yeah. No, but a lot of places though. And all they need to do is, you know, if Japanese needs are within this kind of boundary here, yeah. Just expand it. A little bit, yeah. yeah. To fit Western needs or, you know, Chinese needs or Singaporean needs or whatever. And then it makes it so much easier. I, th- I think for the people who come here and they want to experience that authentic Japanese feeling that, that they don't need that. But that's not everybody, right? Yeah. And and we, even in our home, my hometown of Vegas, like when the Chinese, when the Chinese economy started taking off, we kind of went through and looked at the, the city and said, okay, let's make this, you know, more hospitable to Chinese and Asian tourists. And actually, we spent, I think, I forgot how many billions of dollars making City Center, mm. which you could argue was a, a huge appeal to the Asian customer. Mm. And so, yeah, you need to know where your customers are and yeah, meet yeah. them at their needs. But Western countries do it wrong as well for Japanese customers. That's true. You know, they don't get it right. So, I mean, because Japanese want uh, souvenirs and they want souvenirs to be all individually packaged, yeah. right, in a box that they can easily carry home. And they, they don't do that in a lot of countries. So. I had an interesting story. I won't say who it was, but it was a, a very big Japanese company, like the top guy. He's not there now, but he's, he's in the media still quite a lot. He went to London and he stayed in a hotel. And the person who put the trip together um, said that the hotel, it was a nice five star hotel, but it was like a junior suite oh. or something like that. And he's got just crazy money. Yeah. You know, he could have t- taken the top five floors if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then he went out and spent, you know, millions and millions of dollars on art, which was his hobby. Right. But the guy was like, well, why didn't he get like a, you know, more spectacular place to stay in? Like, why is he happy with this tiny little 
you know, junior suite that, you know, yeah. somebody could save up for and, and stay in. Yeah. You know, he's, he's this important guy. And I just couldn't answer the question. I was like, I don't know. You know, maybe he's not interested in the room. Yeah. Or maybe Japanese people don't like to be too ostentatious and over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that cultural difference exists there as well, you know, and that's interesting. But a lot of the hotels here, like we were going to say before, business hotels are small rooms, you know, and they are kind of like clean and efficient, but they're not particularly stylish. And they're not comfortable. And they're not really that comfortable either. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a place to sleep. Yeah. Um, well, that's why, I mean, it was kind of the natural evolution to do capsule hotel, right? Yeah. yeah. You're like, well, just cut off a little bit more of the height and you get a capsule yeah, hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, staying in them is an experience. It's quite fun yeah. too. Also, Maybe they have like the sleeper trains and stuff like that. There's a lot of cool experiences, guys, if you yeah. if you're willing to, if you have the, the courage to do it. But I'd do a capsule hotel just once is enough for me, I think. Yeah. One, one night. Um, but yeah. But recently, there are some really cool places, some really nice hotels coming up in Japan. Um, but it's just, you know, will the service match it or not? We'll see. So the, I don't know about high-end service, but I would say that there's a lot of boutique and niche hotels that are popping up all, all over the place that are kind of like themed or kind mm -hmm. of wacky. And like, I, you know, I guess because I'm still in my 30s that that to me is really appealing. I want to yeah. have that strange experience and take pictures and upload it to my Instagram. Well, the experience is the whole thing, right? Yeah. So when you travel, you want to change something about yourself. Yeah. That's the, the, the real thing behind travel. It's not to go on a package tour that's been pre-planned and everything's been, you know, coordinated for you. That's That's good as well, but... You know, you want to go and then come back and look in the mirror and say, something's changed in me. You know, I've yeah. had a transformative experience. That's the, the thing about travel now. It's going back to, you know, the time of, you know, when when travel was exciting and adventurous, you know. And dangerous. And yeah, a little bit dangerous as well, yeah. maybe, you know. Um, and that's kind of romantic. It's got a romantic kind of vibe to it as well, right? Yeah. So you can you talk about it. You can tell your friends about it. You can create social media content about it if you wish to do that. So I think that's the way Japan's got to go and it is going there, but yeah. it, you know, it just depends how quickly they can do it. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I think we're going to close here soon, but I just wanted to say that I think that I think when you, when you think about customer service as a whole, Japan is very, very good. And if you're not really looking for that specialized treatment or looking to break the rules or bend the rules at all, it should be fine for you. But once you have those kind of situations where you need something, you know, a little, you know, customized or a little bit special, yeah, it can be frustrating. And the problem is travel is going that way. It's all going personal customization. Yeah. It's going, you know, for you, you know, instead of being about the place that you're at. Um, and I think you need what you need more than anything is empathy. Yeah, to that's a great word. The feeling, yeah. you know, how someone feels when they travel yeah 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 and you often feel isolated or you know maybe a bit alone if you're on your own especially traveling because i've traveled on my own quite a lot in the last couple of years and you do feel a bit out of place mm -hmm. so when you've got something that doesn't kind of fit your expectation it kind of jars you a little bit and sometimes that can be a good experience and sometimes not but you've just got to remember that the person may be in a vulnerable state when they're in a different country. I think that everybody is, no matter yeah. what. The, I was, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I kind of want to talk about this one little uh, uh, story. I, we're, I was in a uh, like crammed in together standing bar uh, here, local one. Uh, this is before the pandemic, and I was with a couple guys from I think France, and they wanted to go uh, to this kind of out there place that is you know like in the countryside and there's no real public transportation to get out mm -hmm. there and i was discussing with them like options that they have and none of them was really working and then there was a couple a young uh, married couple next to us that were hearing this conversation 
and they just said we'll drive you yeah they yeah, didn't yeah. even know who these two people were and they're mm-hmm. just like we'll drive you and then they did the next day they showed yeah. up at a certain location they drove them out there had a great time took great pictures and i think they're still friends today yeah no i've had this as well my friend you know came to japan um to visit and i had to go to work the next day so we didn't have any plans we were in a bar um just chatting and some people next to us got chatting to us as well and they were like oh we'll take you down to ibuski tomorrow it's like a you know two-hour drive yeah yeah you know and they took him all around and stay in touch by email still so it's just like you know that level of friendliness is there and there are people like that as well it's just when it becomes like a system like in a business yeah or in a restaurant and there's somebody you've got to report to that's when everything stops now there's rules and you're gonna get somebody's gonna get angry at me or yeah. yeah So that that's the kind of limiting factor. Another thing is kind of those t- type of people tend to be a bit more outgoing if they're going to talk to you in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that that is a thing as well about the personality. Those, those yeah, those personality types probably wouldn't work for like a hard strict lying corporation. They'd probably open their own shop or something. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. be more creative and unique. So you know, I yeah. think Japanese people, you know, while they are very you know considerate about foreign people and things like that and travelers or whatever. There is a, a sense that sympathy is the thing that they can do best. Hmm. Sympathize with the situation, but very difficult to empathize. With something they've never experienced before. Because you've never experienced it, yeah. right? So you can think, oh, that guy's on holiday. Oh, he must feel you know, a bit lonely. But they don't actually think, what would it be like to feel lonely here? Yeah. And how might that be improved somehow? Especially since a huge, I mean, Americans as well, but a huge number of Japanese have never left the country. So that's true. Yeah, It's yeah. hard for them to empathize what it means to be lost and not being able to read the signs and mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah. But the people who've done it know. Yeah. And, and they are very, very different as well. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's probably the future of travel in Japan is to find those people and, you know, give them more responsibility, give them more... Uh, ability to make judgments on their own yeah. you know to, to provide more flexible service you know and if you do that the you know the nine out of ten you've already got is going to go to ten out of ten yeah and you know that that's only good for the country i think um well alex i really interesting talk today um i i hope that we can like talk about more serious topics like this in the future uh Nashi, i think is for me personally i think that it's when you like in a lot of izakayas when you they have a little bell for you to push and you press it, and the person comes right away, mm. right? And for them, this is a multinashi because they're they're there and they're trying to meet your needs and everything. And for me, multinashi for me would be like they would notice what I need without me saying anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bring it to me because in Japan you have to you have to hail your own waiter, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really difficult, I think, for maybe Americans and some Europeans to do because we're not used to it. Yeah. But in context of their culture and their expectations they have high level of service oh absolutely yeah, yeah i think the only the problem is is when the expectations are different then service can kind of be questionable yeah right? that's when it all falls apart yeah and when it falls apart it's not pretty i'm afraid to say <laughs> that's the problem yeah all right well Alex, i uh, as a as an advisor of uh, of you know kind of like this kind of globalization the future of of japan uh, regionally here anyways i hope that we could you know strive to be not just great with Japanese service, but also great with, you know, the needs of everyone who comes here. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Come to Japan. Yay. Yeah, guys. <laughs> All right. That's been our show today. Uh, if you enjoyed today's uh, show or missed Natsuki, uh, leave us a comment on the comment section below. Uh, any any words, Joshua? Josh. His name's not actually Joshua. It's just Josh. No? No, not really. <laughs> How, how's service in Hawaii? Uh, it depends on what kind of service like public transportation like you're lucky if it comes (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, uh, but restaurants and stuff, everyone's super friendly in Hawaii yeah. because we have like a lot of tourists. <laughs> and and yeah. low stress because you guys have great weather. Hawaii's got like a super advanced uh, tourism you know, education system at the university and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, really, really. We have top the top. We, yeah, we have the top hotel management uh, school at UNLV as well, and the other one I think is in uh, Beijing or something like that. But it's yeah. the same school. But yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, guys, that's been our show today. Uh, if you like, leave us a comment, hit that like button, subscribe to never miss an episode, and we'll be back next week, hopefully with Nazi. I hope her pink eye is cleared pink up. Pink eye. By All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Small Talk Japan. Small Talk Japan is recorded at Story Studios in Kagoshima. This podcast stars Michi, Natsuki, and Alex, and is produced by me, Josh, and is executive produced by Michi. If you like the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thank you again, and until next week, bye!